This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast, Rog. Oh, I'm back. You are back from Britain. From Liverpool. That's special technically, mission. Technically in Britain. Special mission. I will say I had an amazing time. I am so proud to be from that city. Yeah. There's no place finer. But you are buzzing, Davo, because of hot entertainment news. I don't even know what it is. It's so hot. I can't believe you don't know this. I can't what? believe you didn't get an alert. Go on. Kathy Lee has retired from television. She announced on her daytime show today, Rog. I didn't know she was still Hoda on television. Hoda and Kathy Lee. The yeah. most famous, I mean, we, we're up there. We've climbed a ranking in famous duos in entertainment right now. We might be top 700 by yeah. now. Saw that Kathy Lee's retired. I'm thinking, can I go on? I, I've lost my role model. Rob. God, if you're listening, Hoda, I didn't know this, Hoda. Hoda, if you're listening, just be you. I'm guessing, ultimately, it's a great day. Who's that little guy? Regis. No. Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, I bet Seacrest is calling his agent like, right now. Like, <laughs> get me the job. Oh, he's going to go from live yeah. with Kelly Ripper yeah. and go right over he and go everything. with Hoda. Yeah. He does. He wants every <laughs> he show wants on television. I tell you, you might want my job. Yeah, if there's an and. If there's an and. There's a How Seacrest. much do I really need to know about soccer to go on that uh, Men in Blazers show? <laughs> in life, my axiom is... Where Doesn't Rog do most of the talking where, anyway? Where do, I really to, uh, <laughs> do I really need to uh, oh, phone up on anything? Where there's an and, there's a Seacrest. Yeah. So Hodor, get ready. Hodor and Ryan, it's just going to be, oh my oh, God, so it's going to be amazing. It's going to yeah. be like Bernard and Rich Arlison. Their harmony is going to be just so, oh, two-part. Can oh, I tell you a yeah. terrifying story that I uncovered when I was home that has rocked my world, TM? That you uncovered? Yeah. Okay. Hard-hitting investigative journalism. Yeah, this is genuinely shocking, listeners. Okay, go. And it's, it's freaked me out, man. Okay. It's a deep buried family secret that's yeah. changed everything. You're not Jewish. Are you ready for it? <laughs> Worse. Get ready for this. Are you ready for this? Yeah. It's really amazing. My dad, Judge Iver, yeah. of Judge Iver time, told me oh, the story of how he cemented his love of Everton. Okay. I'd always believed. And I've always said, I came from three generations of blues. Yeah. Which you've, is said that, you've said that a lot. A lot. It's yeah. technically true. My granddaddy died before I was born. I never yeah. met him. He was a blue. Yeah. But yeah. my dad told me this weekend that he started to go to matches when he was nine or ten with his mate. Yeah. And back in those days, you could, as like little urchin scamps, you could get around the city on your own fine in little mobs of pickpockets. Yeah. And he went to Everton games with his yeah. mates. He also went to Liverpool games yeah. with his mates. And near the end of that season, he went to a sports store to buy a badge, a button, you call it in America, yeah. with a team crest on that would cement his love yeah. of one of those teams forever. This is in the days, listeners. Imagine this, young listeners. They didn't used to make replica team jerseys. There was buttons that like were the thing. And horror, horror, horror. I found out my dad went into that sports store, age 10, with the intent of buying a Liverpool badge, David. And they were sold out. Yes. <laughs> but they had lots of Everton. This is amazing. This is exactly right. And here the story gets amazing. Because my dad goes into this store intent on buying a Liverpool badge, but they'd sold out of Liverpool badges. This must be like the late 40s. There's probably a tin shortage across yeah. Liverpool. Early 1950s. You know, but nothing changed. Kids want immediate gratification. So my dad just goes, all right. I'll have an Everton badge then. 
And that's that. In that moment, Davo, he pinned his Everton colours to the mast. But you know what that means? I could have been a red. I was that close to being an entirely different human being, Gwyneth Paltrow sliding doors style, Davo. Well, to being your brother, Nige, who is a red. Now this explains... <gasps> Niger's love of Liverpool. He's a bandwagon jumper. No, is he? In the 80s, when Liverpool just massive. See, now just... I think Nige could, could say, were he here to defend himself, yeah, that actually he is I tapping know. into some deep sense of, like, of, of his past, of, of his who hidden, he is as a, hidden as a sense person. Of truth. Yeah. Nige is living his truth. I, I want to dig up your granddad and find out the true story there, Rog. <sighs> He's probably a United supporter. <laughs> I might have to end it all. Can I tell you this? Liverpool supporting Rog, don't you yeah. think he would have been unbearable? A Rog that wins things. Like, I just picture this guy with a full James Milner face back tattoo. That's interesting. Yeah, with huge, blindingly white teeth. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to imagine a more unbearable version of Rog. <laughs> imagine, a Rog imagine a Rog who definitely, definitely, Liverpool Rog, Liverpool yeah. Rog would definitely have had a hair transplant. Yeah, likely. I would have had, uh, yeah, and a fake tan. Yeah. A, just shut your eyes with me, dear listener. A Rog that feels good about himself. Maybe oh, even loved yeah. himself. Maybe loved life, the future. It's disgusting. Yeah. You two gradually morphed into me. <laughs> Arsenal Rog. That would have been difficult. Until this season. Spurs Rog probably would have been about the same, but more so. So but how it, has this affected you, though? How has this now made you... Is this You've obviously been thinking about it. Yeah. You've, you've watched an Everton game since this. How is this have, affecting you? I've thought a lot about... Well, the Robert Frost on the flight home, I read the Robert Frost poem. What, two roads diverged in a wood? Exactly. And I took what the one less traveled by, yeah. and that has made all the difference. Every tiny decision that you make in life, dear listener, every fluky that has unbelievable consequences. Yeah. That's what I think. Robert Frost obviously was writing a poem about my dad choosing to buy the Everton badge. Yeah. That's what I <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. It Thanks, all, Frosty. It's all back to you. Okay, Rog, we've got a packed show. We're going to search for malware on Man City's footballing mainframe after they suffered their first loss of the season. What? Uh, Rog, falling 2-0 to Chelsea. We celebrate one season wonder, Mo Salah, who, no big <laughs> deal, just bagged another hat-trick for top of the table, Liverpool. Can we just say that again? Top of the table, Liverpool. Oh, Liverpool, Rog, would have loved that news. Have we, ever, have we ever said top of the table, Liverpool? Yeah, a lot when we podded in the late 70s, <laughs> early 80s. Plus the Man United performance for which the Old Trafford faithful have long bayed a 4-1 swashbuckling defeat. Huzzah of Fulham. Take that, Fulham. Okay, Roger, toast. Oh, Dave, I want to make two toasts. First, oh, I want to raise this, my first second beer of the day to the city of Liverpool. What a buoyant, optimistic place it is right now. When the sun comes out in that city, breaking out across the Mersey and the buildings on the waterfront just glint, there is no place finer. Sadly, that only happens about twice a year. But I must say... Did it, it happen when you were there? It did. I didn't just imagine it. It was not just Disney special effects. Uh -huh. The sun broke out. I'm going to check my weather app the, afterwards. The clouds <laughs> separated. Yeah. I, I don't know if I imagined this bit, but I heard angels go, oh, and I thought In this. In Scouse accents. There's no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even the angels in Liverpool are Scouse. <laughs> <laughs> and then they Mr. go, mate. 
<laughs> Tower. Mate. Oh, I've got to say, it was lovely to run into a gaggle of GFOPs who were there for the Everton game. I ran into them and I ran into uh, Yerry Mina in the Everton shop. He was buying lots of Yerry Mina jerseys that totally befuddled me that he had to do that. Um, Bobby Me from Austin, Texas and your family. Oh, to you, Premier League weekends are the best weekends going over to England to watch games in person. I'm blown away. We both are by how many of you who have written to us that you're now planning your own Premier League weekend in 2019, patch at the park style. So I want to raise this bud, bud fam, blood fam, to being there, to hometowns, to travel, to get into games live and in person, to life, to making memories around the games we love. Oh, courage. But you got a second toast too, Rog? I do, Dave. you got several Budweiser's lined up. I want to raise a toast to you, Dave. Oh. It's our last pod of the year. You're heading off to the warmth of the holiday period. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes. I hadn't realised. It's honestly, it's like getting great news. It's our last pod of the year, J-Dubs. I'm so sad. Yeah. I'm genuinely oh, so sad about God. it. Oh, I'm not. We're not going to be able to pod properly, although I am going to pod next week with Kathy Lee. <laughs> and Seacrest. And Seacrest. It's going to be a four-man boot. Yeah, um, four-man boot. Yeah, we're going to talk about Everton's win over Man City. But it's been an amazing year in which we released a book. Yeah. We travelled across America thanks to Budweiser and our road trip yeah. with John Johnson throughout the United States, which we're going to do again next summer. We travelled to Moscow. We went to Konusti for the golf, to London for our Premier League El Blazerico weekend. It's amazing you're doing this. I'd forgotten almost all of this. Oh, no, I hadn't remembered either, <laughs> yeah. to be candid. And then I looked at what we've done. We've shot with we've Wayne been all over the place. We've shot with Megan Rapino, Jurgen Klopp, Becky Sauerbrunn, Kevin De Bruyne, John Oliver. More, James more. Corden, yeah. It's been a joy to raise a glass with you GFOPs. It really has the joy of a lifetime that we've encountered along the way. We never take it for granted. I want to thank you. Producer J-Dubs and you, my partner in life and pod, Davo. And just with this bud, just say to more, to more, to more. Oh, Rog, exciting. This has been an exciting year. It's been a, a great year for Men in Blazers with Everton, Rog. Although it would have been better, would have been slightly better with Liverpool, Rog. But we'll take it with Everton, Rog. national team. Oh, yeah. Well, Don't get so me started. Great. That hasn't been so great. Okay, uh, it may be the last regular weekly pod of 2018, but we have an absolute glut of content dropping over the next few weeks, <sighs> Rog, including two TV shows. On December 26th, we're going to have our second annual half-season awards craptacular <laughs> with none other than Lady Rebecca Lua. Honestly, uh, my kids met her this weekend at the Premier League Fan Fest, Rog. And it was, this is the closest they're ever going to get to meeting royalty. It was, like, wonderful for them. She's amazing. She just went on the Dan Patrick show this week. I don't know if any of you listened. Yeah. And out of nowhere, what did Dan Patrick ask her? They just out of nowhere, chat about stuff, obviously getting a bit bored, and he just popped up. He asked her if, if she could take the men in blazers. Yeah. And, and she said, she like, take? both of them or one of them. And she, he said, well, one of them. And she said, well, definitely Rog. Yeah. She was less sure about me. Yeah. By the way... Can't. Dan Patrick, by the way, then said that I'm a poor man's Jason Statham, which, which I'll please, take. David, yes, no honestly, that is the best. The I've been ever. like, honestly, I've started my own. I've started a new Instagram channel, Poor Man's Jason Statham. Yep. I'll take it. You'll take it. By the way, I just want, uh, in terms of people wanting a response to Rebecca Lowe saying that she could beat me in a fight, I just want to say facts, rough and rowdy truth. Six. Yeah, I think I'd be lucky to last around. I mean, she's just so accomplished, professional in all she does. I think she'd uh -huh. batter me. Yeah, she looks vicious. Vicious, vicious in a fight. 
Remember, you can take the girl out of Ealing. You can't take Ealing out of the girl. Anyway, that show is scheduled to air at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time on NBCSN. December 29th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, following Arsenal <sighs> versus Liverpool on Network NBC, we will be joined by John Oliver again, Rog. That is Liverpool, Rog. You also have a pod special with David Villa dropping next week in which the <sighs> J-League-bound World Cup winner talks about what NYC, FC, and this city mean to him. And we're thrilled to announce the digital travel series, Rog, that we shot in London last month, Men in Blazers Visit Britain. Good title, that. The country that rejected us. <laughs> well, you. <laughs> Launches this week. Episodes will air on our social media channels. There's a trailer up there right now. The series chronicles our Premier League weekend of wonder in Blighty. It includes games at Palace and El Blazerico at Chelsea. Ugh. But more than that, it was also history, culture, and in your case, Rog, about 5,000 calories a day. And that's being generous. I think it's more like eight or 9,000. If you're wondering how I put that on, there was some eel. Yeah. There's a lot of fish and chips. There yeah. was a curry and I made love to several pies. <laughs> yeah, Rog, this is, I think, your third or fourth trip to Britain in just the last few months. Yeah. You've achieved a new shape. I have. What shape is it? <laughs> it's it's rhombus. a shape. Yeah. It's, you know how sometimes no, rhombus sh- is the shape of NYCFC's field. I'm often field. compared to Shakiri, but without the flex. <laughs> upside. It's kind of like upside down, <laughs> inverted and stretched all around. You're a whole new shape. I, I just say John Oliver is coming in tomorrow to take with us for an hour and a half. And yeah. that is always my favorite hour and a half of the year. That guy is so much better at what we do the football than we are and we work on it all the time he just comes in yeah. effortlessly just drops gold and then yeah. walks out leaving me he's coming in the top floor. of the, he's coming in top of the table it's going to be amazing top yeah, of the table the we've never airs, had top of the, the table time it airs, the, the, they the could be out of the Champions first League first thing about, about Oliver is that first he's done this every year for like four years first time he did it yeah. it was during the Brendan Rodgers regime and yeah. he did fantastic he just said all I ask for now is five passes strung <laughs> together that's happiness we've seen him year to year progress yeah. to an unbelievable sense of ecstasy and now hope and where there's hope there's delusion I cannot wait to see what kind of a mental state he's in but by the time it airs December 29th yeah. they could be out on top yeah, no, it's, 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 it could be in the relegation <laughs> zone uh, we will see Rog okay to the football Bournemouth nil Liverpool for Liverpool remain the Premier League's lone unbeaten side Shocking. except in the Carabao Amazing. Cup thanks to a magnificent Mo Salah hat-trick oh. and a slightly less magnificent Steve Cook on goal actually that was an absolutely magnificent own goal on what own goal of the season so it's far which a, is saying that's something gonna re- that's gonna we're going to do that we are going to do our own goal of the season it's we should be do a that Seamus you're in there lad and we should send a camo we should send like a sleeveless camo uh, for that the Troika takes Salah to double digits on the season more importantly Jurgen Klopp's mob leapt above Man City by a point which at the time many believe would be just a temporary grip at the top of the table as they waited for Pep's mob to hold serve. I love a temporary grip. In an early morning rumble, Liverpool, they just keep chugging along Mm -hmm. and then suddenly demolish cherries left, right and centre. They were just cherry pulp all over the television screen. Equaled their longest ever unbeaten league run. Shaqiri provided the cunning, the creativity, but the goals, they came from the Mo Show. Hat-trick, Of four shots. Yeah. And after three games goalless, each strike magnificently showcasing his lethal skills. First, anticipation, taking advantage of the Begovic spill, a second. Well, and also temporarily blinding the assistant referee. 
Stealth is a skill. Amazing. The second, not overreacting when hacked across the back of his foot, but driving in on goal. And the third, where he beat poor Begovic, not once, but twice. Maybe oh, ended up on his arse, poor Begovic. Before tapping home, celebrating the hat trick without a smile. Yeah. The, the whole game was accompanied by Liverpool's away support, just screaming Mo Salah, they're running down the wing chant. What a one-season wonder he is, hey, David? Yeah, I know, all over. To think, if only he could be as good as he was last season. Rog, amazing performance. Yeah, they'd be top of the table, right? Amazing performance. Liverpool, you know, for weeks on end right now, have not looked in danger of losing. Um, Even more than his goals, I loved how the hat-trick hero, Egyptian Jason Manzukis, turned down the Man of the Match award after the whistle when it was presented to him live on TV, preferring to re-gift it to James Milner in honour of his <laughs> 500th Premier League appearance. Sign of the ultimate team player. Poor Bournemouth. Sean of the injured Callum Wilson, bit toothless, five defeats and six for Sir Eddie Howe's mob, who just, they somehow remain optimistic, Davo. They're the most English thing ever. They're like, just a flesh wound, still yeah. optimistic, despite the current run of games suggesting otherwise. Yeah, look, Bournemouth have had a tough run of games, but they are a very, very good footballing side. And to me, the most impressive aspect of this Liverpool team and the most impressive aspect of, of this game is how Liverpool shut down Bournemouth and stopped them from playing football. And Eddie Howe, we know he's a good coach. We know that he's prepared his team. We know that he's tactically, you know, got a game plan. And Liverpool just shut them down. And Bournemouth and give mo- all teams trouble. Mowed, them, mowed yeah. them down. Mowed them down. The Liverpool fans I watched this game with were delirious. They now have the back line that they've long You coveted. mean your family? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I, I, I spent the whole game just looking at my dad to see if there was a flicker of a smile when Liverpool scored. Old yeah. muscle memory from the, the pre-age 10 button purchasing era. Yeah. They've got a goalkeeper who doesn't self-sabotage. Yet they've lost Joe Gomez. Terrible loss out for six weeks. Yeah. With a fractured leg. Napoli away. And a new contract. Oh, but then Manchester United, David, next weekend against Jose Mourinho, oh. who at this point just exists to piss in the punch at parties. Pretty much. He loves doing that. He loves it. It's the only time he gets up for it other than when his team are 2 0 down. It's my party trick. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No, impressive stuff from Liverpool. Top of the table. Congratulations to all you Liverpool GFOPs. And you're, the season. you're suffering. It's Stop been amazing. Season. Amazing stuff. They should give him a trophy, a 3D printed trophy just oh, for this, David. The I next am one. genuinely astonished. I'm not going to mock it. I think it's fantastic. Can I hardly believe I'm reading the next score? Chelsea 2, Man City 0. Read it again. Chelsea 2, Man City 0. In the shock of the season, uh, Rod, City's undefeated run comes to an end as they fall at Stamford Bridge after a first half in which City's dominance was matched by Chelsea's defensive discipline, which was shocking. The Premier League's smiliest assassin, N'Golo Kante, who'd basically been ordered to score by Maurizio Sarri, or you're out, who latched onto an as pullback to make it 1-0 just before halftime. From there, Chelsea grew into the game. They made it two on 78 minutes thanks to a David Luiz header. Sarri ball moves into fourth while City slipped from top of the table and perhaps more shockingly, prove that they're actually human, Rog. The cardihood is human. They feel things. Yeah. They bleed. I mean, this is astonishing. Uh, who saw this coming, apart from me, with my Jägermeister shot last week? We just taped a review of the half season, yeah. the Christmas special show, yeah. with Beckalo, yeah. wants to fight me. And I'd selected Sarri as my manager of the first half of the season. Coming off the loss to Wolves. And I'll just say, <laughs> just say, not everyone agreed with my choice. No, I still don't. And after, well, she didn't either. No. And after being smashed by Spurs, dropped by Wolves midweek after seeding the lead. Yeah. There was some talk about whether Sarri had been found out by the Premier League. Yeah. Oh, it's Chelsea had won just one in four. They seem to be listing slightly entering this one. 
City took the field to general newspaper plaudits about how they were the greatest team in Europe. Yeah. But how were you feeling at the kickoff of this one, David? Take us there. Look, I think Chelsea are a tough team for the top teams to go and play against because they've got a lot of speed, they've got a lot of power. And at a point that a team is going to come onto them, Chelsea can be vicious on the counter-attack. We'd already seen how Chelsea had done against Liverpool earlier in the season. You know, they were minutes away from beating Liverpool in the league after having beaten them, I think, midweek in the Carabao Cup. I think both those games happened in one week. Damn you, damn um, So Chelsea are good enough to play with the big boys. We'd also seen them lose to Wolves. We've seen them, like, had that dip in form. We were there at El Blazerico, Rog, where they were awful. They were lucky to, to come out with a point that. I actually thought this was going to be a draw. You did. I felt like it was going to be a draw. I said it to a number of people at the Premier League Fan Fest on Saturday. That I thought it was going to be a draw. So you must have been disappointed with the result. I was disappointed because it went again what I thought was going to happen. But, you know, well, look, there are some games you win when you don't really deserve to win. I felt that the goal was a little bit, just a tiny bit against the run of play. It's true, because City opened like a well-drilled basketball team. They really, they floated that ball around at speed. They seemed to mesmerise Chelsea, swarming the penalty area, creating chances. On this day, though, they couldn't take him. I mean, Chelsea held on. They manned the ramparts. They were resilient in the rear guard. Dave, a king, Rudiger, excellent, as was Louise, who we'll talk about. But there were just so many attacks that we've been muscle memory trained to expect goals by City's greatest hits. You know, Raz from two yards out, Kepper, save. Sané floating in from the left, blocked. And you got a sense that City couldn't believe that they were not two or three goals up after about half an hour. And against other less resilient opponents, they would have been. So let the record of this game state. City were truly outstanding for the first 44 minutes of that first half. They were. But then, Judge Ivor Bennett time, injury time, what happened? Well, and Chelsea also had to be better. Chelsea were forced. They were playing against a team who it was very, very clear were better than them. So what? They had to be better defensively, had to be better in goal, had to be better in midfield, and they had to be better going forward. This was a beautiful move by Chelsea <sighs> in order to Out go... Out of that defensive crouch. Yeah, beautiful uh, move to go and make that goal. In the end, a couple of thrusts in that attack, and the ball gets cut back from Azard to N'Golo Kante. N'Golo Kante, who'd been ordered, basically, by Maurizio Sarri, you've got to score more goals. I don't care that you're a defensive midfielder. In the Sarri ball system, I need you to contribute. I need you to score goals. He lashed it into the top of the net, Rod. You know, we should take the rewind the goal a bit further and let everyone know that this first shot on target for Chelsea in the half started with David Luiz. The match derided David Luiz, a cross-field bomb of a pass to spring tiny Pedro down the wing. Loved how he immediately, instinctively, clearly told by Sarri to immediately switch the ball to the other flank to find the charging Willian. Yeah. Eden Hazard, that pass, astounding vision, rolled it into a crevice of space that I believe only he would see. Yeah. And who turned up? It was Ewan Golo Kante. And, you know, when I watched the goal, David, I don't know if you agree with me in this, he thrashed the ball from the edge of the box with a late run in a style that reminded me of the Frank Lampard. L- the late, great Frank Lampard. Except Frank Lampard would have would have shot it with his laces into the goal. And Golo Kante passed it into the goal. But it was. It was a late into the box run. That is the way that Chelsea midfielders, certainly most recently Frank Lampard, have played. And you're team. like, holy Saris, no Marata. I mean, there were no strikers on at the beginning of this game for either team. Yeah. But who needs a centre forward when you've got the evolution of Kante under Sarri, a transition that we've all gotten to writing off. Yeah, he kind of floundered a bit. Seems hard to for him to keep the ball in possession up to that point or really work out how to influence the game. But this goal out of nowhere 
on a game in which the team had been on the ropes for most of the first half. It was ripped straight out of Jose Mourinho era pomp Chelsea playbook, you know, back in, you negate the opponent and then spring forward with great clinical... Yeah, it's like that win against Barcelona. Exactly that kind of thing. Back in the days when Mourinho was still, you know, a good manager. City, fascinating. (laughs) Yes, thin. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he had a future. City... He's eating his feelings. uh, On the ropes, City have gone 14 league games without defeat. I think they've been behind for about 12 minutes this entire season. So resilient, so deep, that they could go without Kevin De Bruyne, as if losing his avant-garde genius was just a speed bump. They could win without Sergio Aguero, without Mendy. They did lose David Silva, who may have been the straw that broke the camel's back in the week that he looks like he surgically transferred himself back to Team Hare. I should note, losing him probably just too much. And in this one... By their own high standards, City second half were worse than Santacom. I mean, what was shocking, they barely challenged the Chelsea goal. I think they had two shots yeah. on target. Raz Toil, Gabriel Jesus, they, they couldn't create. They couldn't create, and Chelsea did defend. It was like old-school Chelsea defending. Fantastic. I mean, Rudiger, you mentioned him earlier, really just shout him out. He doesn't get a lot of ink. He's been fantastic all season. As Piliqueta was phenomenal in this game. Marcus Alonso, phenomenal in this game. So, Wait, what, was it, what was it like to watch for you, feeling-wise? I mean, it must have been a stand. You know you've, had a, your doubts. Be honest, you've had your doubts. To be honest, it's frustrating because it's frustrating to watch the performance against Wolves, 1-0 up, really should be cruising in that game to go and lose that game. And just like the performances against Liverpool, Chelsea were not the better team in this game, but they were competitive and they fought really hard and they ended up getting a result. Earlier in the season against Liverpool, Chelsea were the better team against Liverpool in both that Carabao game and the Premier League game. This is a team capable with phenomenal stars all over the field, capable of playing phenomenal football. And sometimes they just don't have the right attitude towards winning. Certainly when you measure that attitude versus City, when you measure it versus Liverpool, when you measure it versus Arsenal and Tottenham, Chelsea's attitude is the problem. It's not their players. When you doubt Chelsea's attitude, mostly this season we've doubted one man and one man predominantly. Mr. David Luiz. Yeah. Well, and Maurizio Sarri, myself. You (sighs) haven't, but I have. Love that man. But who scored their second with an exquisite flick? David Luiz did what he used to do for the club. Uh, He used to score goals for the club. This was a vintage David Luiz performance, but it's been... It's not like this is the way that David Luiz has played all season and now we're just going to recognise it in one (sighs) game. David Luiz played an altogether different football game in this game than he has done all season. It was like watching Mickey Rourke have his brief moments of triumph again in the wrestler. It was an exquisite flick, snapping his neck muscles, every sweaty curl glistening heroically in the floodlights. First goal since August last year. Talk about unexpected hero. You know, City blink. They were rattled when few expected them to be. Eight months after they last lost against United in April in the league, they got a taste of their own blood, their own mortality. If you prick us, do we not bleed? They are human after all, David. And it was so interesting after that goal, seeing Pep Guardiola argue so vociferously with the fourth official that it wasn't a corner, that it wasn't a corner when it clearly was a corner, is that it made Pep Guardiola seem once again like a petty little Premier League manager little with pep, petty little issues. Little Pep, the Hudigan not look at I think Hudigan sales yeah. probably have slummited to the lowest point. Sell the <laughs> shares in the Hudigan company. I mean, it was amazing. Pep has always said you learn lessons about yourself 
that you only learn in loss, like Laporte. I think that was his first ever loss in 25 games in the league as a City player. It's astonishing what lessons they will learn from this. We will see. And oh my God, we'll have to wait till Saturday morning against Pinata's as Everton to find out. Uh-huh. Though Pep, I have no doubt, will have circled January 3rd against Liverpool as one for all the marbles. Oh, that's a big game. But for a Chelsea POV, David, what yeah. do you think? You've talked about that, the loss against Spurs, the, the midweek defeat at Wolves. The doubters were out. You know, the Premier League worked him out. His tactics are done. Look, I think Chelsea are in a fight against two other teams, Tottenham and Arsenal, for the top four. And Everton. And I think, no, against Tottenham and Arsenal for the top four. Everton are comfortably in the mid-table battle, Rog. It's okay. They're in the mid-table battle. They're in the mid-table battle. So Chelsea are in that battle against Tottenham and Arsenal. And Chelsea do not have the mental tenacity of Tottenham and Arsenal. And it's going to have to be... And look, Sarri can put that on his players as much as possible. That is a coach's responsibility. That's why Antonio Conte got fired. And right now, Chelsea are no further ahead at this point of the season, really, than they were under Antonio Conte when they finished fifth and out of the Champions League places. Right now, Chelsea probably have to win the Europa League to go, in my mind. And this is a man, Maurizio Sarri, who has never won a piece of silverware in his career, Rog. He's going to have to do it. Could be the Carabao Cup. I'd prefer the Europa League. You know who you play next? Brighton, Leicester, Watford, Palace, Southampton, Newcastle. That these, is, these are the teams that we lose to. I'd rather you, take David, Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal. <laughs> team O Destiny. Team O Destiny. Especially Wolves, after this. Mate, Buster Douglas, Seabiscuit, Ralph Macchio over the Cobra Kai Bullies. Tyson Chelsea Fury. Two. City nil is in there. I will say I was in Liverpool, as you know, at the final whistle. There was incredible joy amongst the Liverpool fans. A lot of love for Chelsea all of a sudden from Liverpool fans. I I spent the evening drinking away with Liverpool fans. There were tears from one. On top of the table. Yeah, yeah. You did not. one end of the You didn't win the title. And he said, and I love this. He said, I know. He said, but allow me to feel deluded just for one night because delusion is a joy that football allows. And I love that approach to football and to life. We got ourselves a perception of a title race. Good for business, right, Dave? Do yeah, we really have one? business. We definitely have a title race. And by the way, Tottenham and Arsenal are not out of it either. <sighs> you know, I, Pep tries to say, he said, Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal, they can all win. I think he's bullcrapping. All we learned this weekend is City are human. Like all humans have the occasional blemish, especially if Liverpool do qualify for the Champions League, that their squad is going to be exhausted by two fronts. Though I do think we've got ourselves a funny weekend coming up for mixed loyalties mm. as Everton play City, Liverpool play United. There will be Reds cheering for Blues. There'll be Blues cheering for Reds or Pinks or whatever atrocity United take the field. Maybe one of the reasons it doesn't feel that good to me, Rog, is we got to mention there was one truly searing, horrendous oh. moment in the match. I hated it at the time before we knew what happened. It happened when Raheem Sterling went to take a corner and was allegedly racially abused by a fan standing just feet away from him behind the advertising hoardings. He was definitely abused. The only allegedness is whether or not it was uh, racial in the Matthew Harding stand. The man whose face was contorted in hate, along with, by the way, middle-aged men all around him, was joined by other fans who hurled vile but apparently non-racial abuse at the City Star. The fan was ultimately identified by the club, and at time of potting, his name has been handed to police. Oh, it's a dark reality, David. Football, we should say, ultimately just a mirror which reflects the culture and politics of the society which surrounds it, which I think Raheem Sterling, uh, one of the points he made on Instagram bravely afterwards, there is racism, right, David, that exists in the game. There's racism, and this is not a Chelsea problem. 
this is not just a football problem, especially after Brexit. There's, you know, unlocked dark forces that many people had thought had been banished to the past. They do express themselves in football because it's often been a release for fans who feel that when they're in a stadium, they're free to say whatever they feel. And as Raz has said, the day afterwards, they're also influenced by a tabloid press pack who cover black players and create opinions about them with headlines, the expensive cars they drive, the yeah. bling they're wearing. And the young white players don't get the same yeah, headlines. Yeah, it's no, just like... A black player buying an expensive house for their mother is headline news. Yeah. Harry Kane doing something in that yeah, ilk, you're right. never, ever in the newspaper, and it emboldens and reinforces that latent seething sensibility. It's not the same as the 70s and 80s, though, right, David? No, it's not. It's not. There is a... To some extent, it's worse because racism has been joined by xenophobia, fueled, I think, to some extent by some of the same things that fuel Brexit. You have just amazing sort of anti, just foreigner sentiment that breaks out at football anti, grounds yeah, all over the country. You know, the crowds are incredibly multicultural and mixed. And the global. teams themselves are multicultural, mixed and global. It is a, but there is still this, this, this group of fans who behave in a certain way. Let's start here and we're going we're gonna to get to hopefully abuses. It is shocking to me that still... In 2018, apparently the, the, this fan's defense, I haven't read this yet, is that he didn't actually say a racial epithet. He basically called him a mank C-word. Mm-hmm. It is amazing to me that anybody's defense in any... These are grown men <laughs> who are basically <laughs> screaming with rage, a whole row of them screaming with rage against a young footballer young sterling is 23 years old still a young footballer who is still an amazing amazing footballer screaming with rage at him and his only crime is that he is really good at football and he's wearing a shirt of a different shade of blue than their favorite team that is mind-blowing to me that that this still happens and this is okay and this is the defense and by the way i think we've got to start their football that hate any form of hate at a football ground any form of abuse and we tolerate it with little kids like Showing that, by the way, we've laughed about it in the past, but I think we've got to now get to a point where the hate has to stop. The double-fisted wanker signs at players taking corners, the vile abuse that's thrown at players, at referees, by, by grown men and women at games. It really has to stop. And from that point, the idea, and especially at this oh, club, of what Chelsea have endured and of what has, has happened at Chelsea over the last few years, the idea that a fan, and it's not proven yet, but the idea that a fan is, is, is basically yelling a racial epithet at an opposing player is, uh, is just so disgusting to me. It is so embarrassing. Yeah, I'm appalled. I'm ashamed as a Chelsea fan that this happened. It's not a Chelsea I'm ashamed, problem. It's not, it's not a Chelsea problem. No, but problem. I am ashamed. You would, if this happened at Everton, you would be as ashamed as an Everton fan. You know fan. what? Could, I'm ashamed could, as a Chelsea fan. It could happen I'm ashamed, in I'm ashamed every as a ground prem, every ground in the country. You're right. Ashamed as a Premier League fan. Ashamed as a football fan. And ashamed as a man, honestly. It just is a... It's just, it's just got to end. This, like, this behavior, and the only way really to cut it out, because you won't weed every racist out, honestly, we've got to stop the uh, allowing and standing blindly by and allowing people to just sort of yell abuse at players. It's just got to stop. It's just got to stop. It just, it just cannot continue. I feel like this is the good 
I'm always positive, Davo. This is the good that can come out of this moment is that the hate being screamed at players just really has I to hope stop. So. I hope, but the, my fear is that the col- there'll be a collective consensus to kind of move on as the next kind of games kick in and we'll, we'll let it pass by. I will say in the 70s and 80s, you would go to games where there were open, organised demos by right-wingers outside of grounds, literature, racist literature, openly passed around. No, 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 often abusing their own players. Bananas thrown on the field, mass racist chants in the open, including Everton. This is not the 70s and 80s, but the the embers of the same racism are flaring up again, and we have to do everything we can to stamp them out in these dangerous, dangerous times. I do admire Raz Sterling greatly, I really do. I loved what he said to the journalist Henry Winter, um, 10 days ago in an interview, he said there's a biblical quote which drives him, which protects him from the haters and the critics. And the, the quote is, who God blessed, no man cursed. Uh, I feel I am God's blessed and no matter what any man says or does, it can't harm me. Those are words to live by. Really sad the weekend of football. Man United 4, Fulham 1. United get healthy by feasting on the carcass of the struggling, suddenly Italian-tasting Cotageros. Goals from Ashley Yang, Juan Mata, Romelu Lukaku, his first at Old Trafford since March, and in a late I've been a good boy appeal to Santa, Marcus Rashford. The complete performance, Rog, it saw Paul Pogba reduced to the role of unused substitute. It's his best position. It was United's first win in five league games. Yeah, it's the Manchester United we want to see, said the delirious Juan Mata. At the final whistle, yes, a Manchester United who can lock the bottom club in the table in the eye and not crap their pants. I mean, even Romelu Lukaku scored. To watch United just play flown football, that's what was shocking. To watch them cruise was was astonishing. But watching Romelu Lukaku for the first time since March 31st score a goal at Old Trafford. Someone worked out the City have scored 83 goals in that time and that 92 million babies have been born. Oh, I think Fulham, the bad news is when Romelu Lukaku scores on you at Old Trafford, you are automatically relegated. Big, big win for United. Those goals going to help them get back into the Europa League race if it all goes down to goal difference. But the big <laughs> United story of the season, Davo, following United's comfortable 4-1 win over Fulham on Saturday, Jesse Lingard rounded off the perfect weekend by launching a new clothing line from his fashion label, Jay Ling's. With yeah, I, love, I want some J-Links. You do, I was going to ask do. you. It's called Be Yourself, The Range, mm-hmm. and it is, quote, aimed at those who show individuality, J-Lins. Will you be wearing J-Lins this fall, I think David? we should do a special, 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 where I wear some J-Lings and you wear yeah. some Deli Alley. You thought? Whatever his brand is. I'm not going Deli Alley. He's yeah. got a or new brand. Or you can wear some Milner. I was he, might, he probably has some cardigans. J-Picks. Yeah. For the smaller terrier of a man. But I'm going to wait for, if you're listening, Phil Jones, <laughs> for your fashion line. I'm waiting out for you, P. Joe. Yeah. For those confident enough to show their failures and air their dirty laundry in public. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine I'll do a lovely line in cod pieces, David. Arsenal won. Huddersfield nil. Uh, this goal went down well at the NBC Fan Fest. Arsenal extend their unbeaten <sighs> run to 21 games thanks to an 83rd minute overhead kick from the best LT since Lawrence Taylor, Lucas <laughs> Torreira. Not quite the buccaneering Arsenal we saw against Spurs and United, but they get the point, Rog. Yeah, feisty bludgeoning of a game. Seven minutes to go, still goalless, but who else? Torreira. Turns up in the box. Fox in the box. Slightly flamboyant choice to go bicycle, but sod it. Didn't need to. Didn't need to. Did it. Did it for the gram. Yeah. Yeah, my eight-year-old watched it. I was like, looking at it, isn't it amazing? He's like, it didn't really need to do that, Dad. I was like, oh. I mean, but I'm not going to take it away from Torreira. Everything he does is perfect. We love him. He's a tiny little man. Torreira, I know you're listening. 
can you start taking a field in a tiny little cape? I think that would, <laughs> I think that'd be amazing. They like Boss Baby if Boss Baby was really good at football. They should have him host the Oscars, don't you think, David? Wouldn't Tamara be good? It. He could probably fit into the same tux that yeah. Kevin Hart was going to wear. <laughs> but good for Arsenal, Rog. Yeah, tenacious. You yeah. could say clean sheet, first time since the first month of the season. And that's despite losing Rob Holding to a terrible cruciate injury. Mustafi, Socrates now suspended, which many Arsenal fans will probably consider. <laughs> happy about. Yeah, blessing. Three points for Arsenal. Keep breaking records, Arsenal. Their failure to lead a, a single Premier League game at the half is amazing still. And to have three players booked for diving in the same match, Xhaka, wow. Gwendouzi and Mustafi, that to me is almost as impressive. Yeah, Arsene Wenger was watching on television. He still didn't <laughs> see the incidents. Leicester, nil. Tottenham, two, Rog. An absolute belter from Gangwon Province's finest son. Oh, what a amazing. goal that was. His third in four games. And a Delhi diving header. sealed the points for Spurs who rested Harry Kane and Christian Eriksen. Spurs stay third. They're just six points off Liverpool, Rog. Yeah, I mean, the players who were not on the field to find this game. Spurs, Harry Kane were rested with Barcelona in the Champions League ahead. And Leicester, without rat boy Jamie Vardy out mm. injured, they couldn't adjust. They were blunt and pedestrian. Big games from the other Tottenham big boys. This was a dominant victory for Pochettino, who's made sure that that loss to Arsenal can now just be seen as a blip. 36 points from 16 games for Tottenham, their best ever start to a Premier League campaign. Astonishing wow. that the fantastic British journalist Daniel Storey mm. worked out that they've collected points on the road of 2.21. It's astonishing every away game, which is second just behind City. And I continue to look at their season of wonder, and I can't help think all the time, the unprecedented no new signings transfer window, not having a real home, what could have been, what could have been, how could it have been different if they'd taken the plunge, particularly in the transfer market? Absolutely, and reading today, even more delays uh, to their new stadium uh, in North London, Rog. Newcastle won Wolves Two, they're unbeatable, Rog. The Premier League's Portuguese diaspora followed their midweek victory over Chelsea by winning this one in the dying embers. The game was tied at one in the 57th minute when now enemy of the state, Mike Dean, has the temerity to send off the Pele of throw-ins, American DeAndre Yedlin. Don't do DeAndre bringing, like that. Yeah, for bringing down Diogo Jota as he raced through on goal in the 95th minute. Matt Doherty capitalised, heading home the winner and condemning Portly Rog and co to... <laughs> defeat he has to lose some Benitez. i know he is he loves it this is his whole plan because he's then got to come back and win games yeah. when his back's against the wall to show how good he is and newcastle fans will still take a modicum of joy out the weekend by the rumors of mike ashley actually selling the club uh-huh. these rumors for the 12th time but wolves finally work out how to have a big game performance against a non-top six side wolves are back is back. You know that Newcastle fans, though, hear that and they think we're still a big club. We're a top six club. <laughs> uh, Cardiff won. Southampton nil. A crap goal from dad bod poster boy Callum Patterson gives Cardiff a fourth win in their last five home matches. Neil Warnock's side are mm. up to 14th, Rog. Four points clear of the drop. This was not the way the new Saints manager, Ralph Hessen, <laughs> that's Rabbit Hutch, yeah. uh, Rabbit cage rabbit coop however yeah. you say it yeah. in america wanted to start wherever you keep ralph wherever you keep your wherever rabbits you stuff your bunnies. wherever you stuff your bunnies wanted to start his tenure wherever you want to stuff your bunnies <laughs> yeah is the first premier league manager this is a stat that was going around i love this hat whose surname is quote a place where an animal could live huh which a stat i actually think is completely wrong and i want to but go on the record who said this it was a stat that was released in the English media. 
but you're all forgetting how short your minds are that there's several intestinal parasites that live in an allodice. <laughs> how long did you work on that joke? Did you <laughs> have that work? <laughs> you mean there's never been a manager with the last name Field? Or Warren. Yeah. Or anything. Yeah. Yeah, Moyes. If, if there's some animal, Moyes sounds like to me someone would yeah. live in a, I'm yeah. sure there's some kind of feral something that lives in a Moyes. Email us, menandblaze.gmail.com. What about all the birds in my ranieri? What is in my ranieri? I make honey from the bees yeah, in my ranieri. Old Rabbit Hutch has got his work cut out for him yeah. with Southampton's back line. It would be stronger if they still, I believe, put Van Dyke and Lovren on the team sheet, even though they no longer play for Southampton. <laughs> That's amazing. What a stat. I love the person who came up with that stat. What else, can you, genius. Keep, what else can you keep in a hash and a hood? That's so amazing. West Ham, three. Crystal Palace, two. Raj Palace took the lead in the sixth minute through James MacArthur, but a flurry of early second-half goals from the Irons, Robert Snodgrass, Chicharito and Felipe Anderson were enough to secure the points and move Manuel Pellegrini's men into... 11th place, Rog. Yeah, two emphatic goals. One from a trimmed down Robert Snodgrass. Masterful, curled work of art. And Felipe Anderson. He's on the Andy Carroll diet. The bargain. He's on the Andy Cohen diet. <laughs> Felipe Anderson, fast becoming one of the bargain new friends of the season. Oh, a humdinger. Six of the season. And then Chicharito had also chimed in with his typical slop. And mm. the bookies, David, this gives me no pleasure. Yeah. Starting to narrow the odds. Oh, I hate this. For Roy Hodgson to be the next Premier League manager to be given the old heave <sighs> Don't do Roy like that. Burnley won, Brighton nil. The Clarets get their first win in nine games as James Tarkovsky steered Jack Cork shot in with his chest. Rog, the win grants Burnley a temporary respite from the relegation I love zone. love the tummy goal. And then Everton 2, mm. Watford yeah. 2, Rog. A 96th minute free kick equaliser from <sighs> Lucas Digne. Pips a point for your boys on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Rog, how did you feel about this Mid-table Between clash. a laugh and a tear, David. Yeah. The Marco Silva Memorial Derby. First stunning opening goal, I will say, by the true king of R&B, Rich Arlison. All right, bit offside, thanks it to Theo. It was a bit, believe me, I made a note in my God, book. Theo. Offside goals by Everton to bring up when Rodge complains of being so goals offside. disallowed right. by Everton. Not just offside, but Theo, needlessly, like not, no one with a footballing brain would have touched the ball. I know, it was no point, it, it would have been like, you would have been so upset at that. Ergo, Theo has no footballing brain. Theo <laughs> really annoys the hell out of me. But yeah. forget that, because it was a collective footballing moment born of intent. And Everton had gone for years without that kind of football. So let me just enjoy it. Okay. Yeah. And enjoy it, we did. Because what did Rich Arlison against his old team do when he scored, Dave, full-throatedly? No, he celebrated, Rog. Yeah. Because <laughs> once you come to Everton, yeah. you forget that you had other lovers, don't you? You do. Yeah, somehow he forgot Watford. the truth when I saw it Dave I loved it but then I also realised to my horror uh, that holy crap it's going to hurt like hell when he does that when he's playing for Barcelona against Everton in the Champions League next season Watford (laughs) let me dream Watford well organised well drilled Everton they defended in this one after they scored about as well as as Gronk Rob Gronkowski empowering God, Watford to just romp to a two goals in two minutes, 10 seconds, turn the game around. Gilfie, God love you. I love you. Terrible penalty. And it felt to me at that moment as if Origi hadn't just like won the game for Liverpool in the Red Wedding. He'd broken us. He'd broken us, Davo. Liverpool was devastating. Newcastle drawn numbing. 
Both of them combined meant I couldn't feel my legs anymore as I watched this crap. And then there was the crazy end to the game. Did you see the end? 95th yeah, minute. I did. I saw it. What Lucas happened? Dinye gets a free kick on the edge of the box. And they pretty much just allow him to kick it into the goal. Yep. Pretty much the wall breaks yep. apart. It's a fair... The goalie never basically covers that side of the goal. And yep. he just says, not... Dinye, come on. It's a bit match fixy, actually. Ben, ben Foster clearly not on overtime paying. Is, yeah. uh, is, he's like, no, I've, I've clocked I'm off, done, mate. Clocked off. Done. Get us having my sandwiches. It conjured crazy emotions. I felt lucky to get a point. I felt angry, seething that we hadn't taken all three. I felt exhilarated. I felt aggrieved. I was so proud of the tenacity. I was so disappointed by just the general performance for 70 minutes. And that's football. It's why we watched just the contradictory emotions that allows you to feel all at the same time. Tweet from at EFCMTP who said, only Everton could make you resent an injury time free kick to equalise Rog. It's true. Fact. Um, look, this is what I'd say about this game. I was watching it and I was thinking, Everton and Watford are basically pretty much the same team. They're about as good as each other, about as bad as each other. They're going to finish the season pretty close to each other. Fourth. And it's pretty much <laughs> utterly pointless. It's just, what, what are they playing football for? They're playing football to not be relegated, just to finish in the sort of mid-table backwash. Of Premier League oh, football. I love backwash. I know. Why do we breathe? Why? Do Why? We breathe? Why do we get out of bed? What is in the, the point? I can't believe the amount of energy you have to expend watching Everton play games like this all season. Can I explain why? There's I do just it? no point. I can easily explain why. I well, do because it. your grandfather and your father before you and all of <laughs> that kind of dad, stuff. Because your dad, because they were sold they out sold of Liverpool buttons. buttons. <laughs> That's why you do it. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Okay, Rog, in MLS. Atlanta United are your MLS Cup champs, Rog. They defeated the Portland Timbers Saturday night in front of a delirious Georgia crowd. Lots of GFOPs there. In the end, goals from league MVP and leading scorer Joseph Martinez and Argentine defender Franco Escobar saw the five stripes win it 2-0 and bring the ATL its first major trophy in any sport since 1995. Oh, God. A performance that deserves the victory eagle. Oh, it was astonishing in so many ways. 73,000 over 73,000 packed into the bends. Taste of what MLS can be. And they went in the soccer thriving in the south of our country, Dave. in Atlanta, first title for them since the 95 Braves. They controlled the game. Their defense gave so little away to Portland, who had Blanco and Valeri shackled. And the five stripes were ruthless when chances are offered to them. Huge victory for Atlanta in just their second season. To me, Davo, they didn't only win the cup, but they provided a new blueprint for how you run this league. Young prodigies who can blow away opponents and then be sold on as opposed to aging dinosaurs in the twilight of their career, forcing even Don Garber... Long... Get me some young prodigies who can blow away <laughs> opponents. All over the league offices, they're here, saying that. Here, take this young man, Wayne Rooney. So... I mean, Don Garber, so long a protectionist, finally belatedly has admitted MLS is now a selling league, which Whoa. is something you've always been. Yeah, absolutely. It should be. And I'm happy for Arthur Blank, the owner, who sunk a ton of cash into this project, for our mate, Darren Eels, who built the operation, for Captain Michael Parkhurst, who told us on stage in Atlanta how little he wanted to leave Columbus, but now is so glad he did. Finally won a trophy after four losses with the Buffalo Bills. And of course, Power Belf. Mr. Bradley Guzan. Yeah. But we're mostly happy for the city of Atlanta, who seem to be so passionately in love with their soccer team and both 
also so self-aware how crazy it is that they're so passionately in love with their soccer team. As you said to me, success is fleeting. They're going to have problems now. Players are going to move on. Yeah, without a doubt. Tata Martino, their coach, their winning coach, so he said he's off to Mexico. Miguel Almiron, who's been the heads and tails, the most creative force in the league this season, supplier of many Joseph Martinez goals, also meant to be going, poor guy, to Newcastle, if rumours are true. So brace yourself for Wacker Flocker, who's going to decide if he wants to be your next manager or play as your mm. number 10. Yeah. Last word to a GFA. Wacker Flocker and Moses Malone up front. Oh, oh, be amazing, be mate. Good. Be amazing. At... Tristan McClaws tweeted us, Christian Pulisic just voted the second best young player in the world. Josh Sargent, young soccer gritty, oh, and a GFOP scores in his Bundesliga debut. Zach Steffen finalises deal to Man City, MLS Cup final, 73,000 sellout. I love how this sport has changed in this country. Leading the way, Rod, the US women's national team. Uh, in their news, the draw for the 2019 oh. Women's World Cup, or as we call it, the World Cup, took place in Paris on Saturday. How will the US women feel about their draw, Roger? They'll be quietly confident. Drawing old foes Sweden, yeah. fresh-faced Thailand and Chile. Um, if they win, Group Thailand F. Thailand and Chile are playing as a single nation. Yeah, like okay. Trinidad and Tobago. Okay, you can do that now in sports. Hmm. Oh, England should start to meld with somebody. You can do that now in Germany. sport. <laughs> Germany. If the US women win Group F, they would go to Paris for a round of 16 matchup against the second place team in the Canada Netherlands group, which would be mm. a cracker. England, not so lucky. Quite a feisty group. They've drawn Japan. Yeah. And every English person's greatest fear, Dave. Scotland. Scotland. Oh, 178 days till the tournament kicks off, and I cannot. Your weekend looks like this, Roger. It kicks off bright and early Saturday morning at 7.30 a.m. with oh, Man City looking God. to get back on track. They play who else but Everton, Rog. And oh, a big what? day Sunday as Southampton host Arsenal and Chelsea travel to Brighton. Both those games at 8.30 a.m. That's followed by Liverpool versus Man U at 11 a.m. Oh. Good game. All of those games on the NBC family of networks. Let's have a prophetic shot of Jägermeister, Rog, and see what's going to happen. <sighs> My Jägermeister is enabling me to repress the fact that Everton are playing Manchester City on yeah. Saturday. It's allowing me to skip right ahead because it tastes of ecstasy, tastes of raised eyebrows, tastes of twists and turns of late goals no one saw coming. I predicted Chelsea's win against Manchester City mm. and this Jägermeister makes it clear. Jose Mourinho will win at Anfield on Sunday. A late goal from Sir Robert Strong, Marouane Fellaini oh. will win it for Manchester United and Manchester I City. Think we must be getting our Jägermeister from the same batch, uh, Rog, because mine is similar, slightly different part of the batch, though. But taste of holiday cheer for young Marcus Rashford, oh, Rog, mine. Him. I like him scoring again this weekend. Mourinho shutting the game down. 1-0 United. Goal from baby Rashford. Oh, uh, as always, save your I've... telegrams. This is not us predicting these results. It's the exclamation it's the, point it's in the, the bottle. It's God, do you think Marcus Rashford, if he scores, Jose Mourinho will buy us some Jay Lings under the tree for Christmas? Yeah, maybe, if he's lucky. Because <laughs> uh, we know that Mourinho can't fit into it anymore. They don't make it in the XXXL. Uh, there are many ways to connect to us. Be yourself. Including uh, big Jay Lings, big and tall. Let, let yourself go and wear some Jay Lings. <laughs> including our now extinct Amazon Emporium, which has transformed into the men in blazers. Bullmart, anytime you buy something big or small from the Bullmart, we get a tiny percentage. Allows us to produce additional, albeit suboptimal content. What are you putting in the ball mark this week, Rochelle? A book, heavy, an American memoir by Kesey Lehman. Mm -hmm. Continuing my memoir kick, a searing, 
glorious read written about the journey from boyhood to manhood by an obese African-American Mississippi-born boy who tackles a lot of heavy topics, as Uh the title suggests, family, addiction, racism, feminism, life, really. And like every great memoir, it transports yourself from your own reality. This one paints a portrait of the struggles faced by an African-American gent in America. It's challenging, poetic, it's rewarding. A volume about damage, self-sabotage, and the limitations of healing. And I was blown away by it. I'm not putting anything specific in no, the store. No, no, nothing. Well, go and get your J-Links. Nothing specific. But a little word of advice. I moved this weekend, amongst other things. What? Rog. Yeah, moved this weekend. I moved back into my old house. So moved back in. Big deal. I've got so many questions. <laughs> well, yeah, basically close observers of the pod know yeah. that, you know, my marriage broke up a few years ago. Yeah. But now I'm back into the old home. It's a bizarre feeling, Rod, back into the home I left. I know not many people are relating to this. We're getting deep on the pod. But I moved back in to my old home with my kids, and I'm <sighs> getting ready. He's going to go and sell my house. So any realtors, don't Which contact house? me. I'll contact you. My townhouse down in Tribeca. I'm not going to give the address out on the pod, I'm Rod, so but my confused. townhouse down in Tribeca. Move back it. into my old house. Tot- Tottenham fans are listening to this and be like, is this all a metaphor for yeah. Spurs? No, so I moved back into the house and uh, I'm gradually fixing it up to get it ready to go and, uh, to go and bring it to market. It's going to be the real estate event to the century next summer uh, when we bring it back out and I've been <laughs> gradually replacing things I've got to tell you my word of advice to anybody listening including you Rog including you JW and we're all my ears are like so prepped for this replace your toilet brushes just replace <laughs> your toilet brushes just trust me I don't care if you think I only bought my new toilet brush last year Re- guys girls replace your toilet brushes go around they're, they're go to bed bath and beyond they're pretty inexpensive just replace your toilet don't think about how do i salvage how can i clean my toilet brush more? just replace your toilet brushes you that's know, it service should, to the community for, the, for those who find the this conversation you know. interesting listen to our other podcast which is toilet vernacular weekly i will say plungers i've often thought just a unbelievable thing that we just have them lying around the house you're right, but a good toilet brush can do the job of think, a plunger you, also, Rog. That's controversial. That's, what, yeah, that's, how, that's what's got Sari into trouble with Kante, to be candid. <laughs> <laughs> Just that. He's, trying to, he's having a toilet brush do a plunger's work. Yes. Is that what you're saying? So or he's true. trying to turn a plunger into a toilet brush? I think plungers, this is controversial. Okay, Co- they should be one use and one use only. Oh. I know, really? A yeah. single-use plunger? I know we're in an era of, uh, of, of paper straws. 3D printing. I think, I think plungers should be one. And when you think, the best thing is not to think about them. So just if you do want to think about them, listen to Toilet Vernacular Weekly, available now on just iTunes. Just replace your toilet brushes. That's all I'm saying. And Gola okay. Kante, I know you're listening. Rog, you, uh, you can me? follow us on Twitter, at Men and Blazers, at Embassy Davis, at Rog Bennett, on Instagram, at Men and Blazers, at Embassy underscore Davis, on Facebook, Men and Blazers. Oh. You can always send your ravens to crap part of Soho. You can always email us at menandblazers at gmail.com. Buy our book. It's, it's like the greatest Christmas Blazer present. Tanaka. If is you it? won't be hated for your Secret Santa choice, just this, there's no better thing to do. Secret Santa are booked to the yeah. people you hate in the office. Okay. It's amazing. Smart. Vendor point, Rog. purpose. War pig. Who wants a sex matumbo? I like snacks. Balls win, balls win. Take that, Gloria. Uh, balls lose. To tweed. Abrogado, rock on, mate. Kung Fu fight in America. Love you, Davo. Oh, the final pot of the year. Love you, Rod, you meant to say. Oh, sorry. Love you, Rod. 2018. Thank you. 2019, the year Everton win the title. I cannot wait for you. I also cannot wait to see the bees buzzing around my... Ranieri. <laughs> <laughs>